0: Oh
1: Shabbat shalom, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of God Honest Truth live stream. We are God Honest Truth and we are a messianic ministry based out of Western North Carolina. And if you'd like to know more about us, please check out GodHonestTruth.com. There you can find out all types. <clears throat> I'm sorry, there you can find all types of resources to further your education in the faith and also further your faith with our Lord. There you can find audio Bibles, you can find audio teachings, video teachings, article teachings. You can find Hebrew resources to further your Hebrew education, as well as be able to contact us and also connect with us on social media platform. Go check it out at GodHonestTruth.com. And if you do need to contact us, you can do so, do so through any of our multi, many multiple talks tonight. You can do so through any of our many social media profiles or the best way to contact us is directly through email and that is team at com. now tonight we're going to be talking about camping out a joyful experience but did you know this is actually a festival or a appointed time that is set forth in scriptures itself it's called sukkot and it's to remember things that have happened in the past and also looking forward to things that are going to happen in the future. And tonight, we're going to cover all that for you with lots and lots of scripture, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But like always, we're going to be doing our liturgy, our Torah portion, our half-Torah portion, and our Brit Hadashah portion. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into our liturgy.
0: O
2: balevav pani ma ne feshe huri homiya ate me ma o dova di nu Ah, tea, qua, bash, no, the yo, ko, she, be, heart, the she, heart, Yom V'Rushalayim Shema Yisrael Yahweh Eloheinu Yahweh Echad Baruch Shem Kevon Malhuto Le'olam Uh, Hear, O
1: Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is for eternity. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontless between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates So, in the way of announcements this week, as always, we're going to be giving you the upcoming episode list, and, like I said earlier. Tonight's drosh is going to be all about Sukkot. So make sure to stay tuned for that. If you do happen to drop out before we finish the live stream or get to the drosh, you can always re-watch tonight's live stream in an on-demand version starting tomorrow morning. And all you got to do is simply go to our website, GodHonestTruth.com, and it should be right there for you to click on. That way you can re-watch the video and you can even go through the drosh slides on your own at your own pace. Next week, Really excited about that draw. It's going to be all about heresy and orthodoxy. Some really important stuff there, so definitely make sure to tune in for that next week at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday evening. After that, we're going to be getting into some more scriptural dossiers with Moses and Joshua, and we're going to be doing another teaching on Halloween, because it's definitely important that you know about this holiday and how it relates to us and the world and how we relate to the world, how we should view it. All that good stuff. So make sure to stay tuned for that as well. As well as all of the upcoming episodes. Every Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And like always, also, here is your list of upcoming Mo'adim for the next upcoming year. All the way through Shavuot of next year. And, of course, our next upcoming feast day is going to be Yom Teruah. Excuse me. And that starts in two days on September 25th at sunset and runs through september 27th at sunset now if you don't know much about yom Teruah, make sure to go back and watch the teaching video we did on that just a couple weeks ago and you can learn all about it how to celebrate it and all that good stuff now of course our next upcoming feast date after yom Teruah is going to be yom kippurim and last week we did a drosh teaching on yom kippurim so if you'd like to learn more about that anointed time or Moed, and make sure to go and watch that teaching from last week. And as always, if you have, oh, almost forgot, there are special scripture readings for most of the holidays, and Yom Teruah is no exception. If you would like to read those special holiday, or sorry, special readings for the Moed of Yom Teruah, here are your special scripture readings
0: for Yom Teruah. And like always,
1: if you have any prayer requests or announcements that you would like to have announced live on air, make sure to have those into to us by Thursday evening at the latest, because we do go live on Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we would very much appreciate having the time to incorporate that into the slides before showtime. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and get back to our liturgy. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. He walked among us, filled with your Spirit. The only one who ever perfectly fulfilled your Torah, he healed the sick and raised the dead. multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth the treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him, the lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him, whose words uncovered their sin. Despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, turned every one to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world, his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting. Praise his name. We are in him, his spirit and powers. New life is ours with joy and peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us Messiah our King. For the sake of our Master Yeshua in his merit and virtue, may the sayings of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be favorable before you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Avinu shavashmayim ikadesh shemcha tavo marotecha ki asa ratsoncha aaret kaasher naasa vashamayim our father in heaven hallowed be thy name let thy kingdom come let thy will be done as on earth so as in heaven ken lanu
2: hayom taham
1: hukenu hu lanu Erasme tenu ka asher Tulagim anachnu ar asmulanu Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us Te altevenu li de masa iemhatsilenu min hara Kilah amam lacha ba gevor ba hatzi olamim And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the
0: glory, forever. Amen.
1: None can compare to you, O Lord, and nothing compares to your creation. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, your mercy endures throughout all generations. The Lord is king, the Lord was king, the Lord shall be king throughout all time. May the Lord grant his people mercy, may the Lord bless his people with peace. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me, let us exalt him together. And it came to pass, whenever the ark went forth, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, may those who hate you flee from before you. For from Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in holiness gave the Torah to his people Israel. And tonight's Torah portion is going to be Exodus chapter 8, verse 20, through chapter 9, verse 35. We'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home if you'd like to read along with us. Exodus chapter eight, verse twenty. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water, and say to him, Thus said Yahweh, let my people go so that they serve me. Or else if you do not let my people go, see, I am sending swarms of flies Excuse me. I am sending swarms of flies on you and your servants, and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Mitzrites shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I shall separate the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, so that you know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the land. And I shall put a ransom between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And Yahweh did so, and thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, then to his servants' houses, and into all the land of Mitzrayim. The land was ruined because of the swarms of flies. Pharaoh then called for Moshe and Aaron, and said, Go, slaughter to your Elohim in the land. And Moshe said, It is not right to do so, for we would be slaughtering the abomination of the Mitzrites to Yahweh our Elohim. See, if we slaughter the abomination of the Mitzrites before their eyes, would they not stone us? Let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, then we shall slaughter to Yahweh our Elohim as he commands us. And Pharaoh said, I am letting you go, then you shall slaughter to Yahweh your Elohim in the wilderness. Only do not go very far away. Pray for me. And Moshe said, See, when I leave you, I shall pray to Yahweh, and tomorrow the swarms of flies shall depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But do not let Pharaoh again deceive, not to let the people go to slaughter to Yahweh. And Moshe went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh did according to the word of Moshe, and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time too, and did not let the people go. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Go into Pharaoh and speak to him. Thus said Yahweh, Elohim of the Hebrews, Let my people go, so that they serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and are still holding them, see, the hand of Yahweh is on your livestock in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the cattle, and on the sheep, a very grievous pestilence. And Yahweh shall separate between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Mitzrayim, and let no matter die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. And Yahweh set an appointed time, saying, Tomorrow Yahweh is going to do this word in the land. And Yahweh did this word on the next day, and all the livestock of Mitzrayim died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and see, not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron, Fill your hands with ashes from a furnace, and let Moshe scatter it toward the heavens before the eyes of Pharaoh. And it shall become fine dust in all the land of Mitzrayim, and it shall cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast in all the land of Mitzrayim. So they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moshe scattered them toward the heavens. And they caused boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians were unable to stand before Moshe because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Mitzrites. But Yahweh strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as Yahweh had said to Moshe. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus said Yahweh, Elohim of the Hebrews, Let my people go, so that they serve me. For at this time I am sending all my plagues unto your heart and on your servants and on your people, so that you know that there is no one like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you you would have been cut off from the earth. And for this reason I have raised you up, in order to show you my power, and in order to declare my name in all the earth. You still exalt yourself against my people, in that you do not let them go. See, tomorrow about this time I am causing very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Mitzrayim from the day of its founding until now. And now, sin, bring your livestock to safety and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every beast which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. Those among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahweh made their servants and livestock flee to the houses. But those who did not set their heart on the word of Yahweh left their servants and livestock in the field. Then Yahweh said to Moshe, Stretch out your hand toward the heavens, and let there be hail in all the land of Mitzrayim, on man, and on beast, and on every plant of the field, throughout the land of Mitzrayim. Then Moshe stretched out his rod toward the heavens, and Yahweh sent thunder and hail, and fire came down to the earth. And Yahweh rained hail on the land of Mitzrayim. Thus there came to be hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy such as had not been in all the land of Mitzrayim since it became a nation. And the hail struck in all the land of Mitzrayim all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Pharaoh then sent and called for Moshe and for Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Yahweh is righteous, and my people and I are wrong. Pray to Yahweh, for there has been enough of the thunder and hail of Elohim, and I am letting you go, so that you stay no longer. And Moshe said to him, As soon as I go out of the city, let me spread out my hands to Yahweh. Let the thunder cease, and the hail be no more, so that you know that the earth belongs to Yahweh. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear before Yahweh Elohim. And the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they were late crops. And Moshe went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to Yahweh, and the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased. Yet he sinned again, and he hardened his heart. He and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was strengthened and he did not let the children of Israel go as Yahweh
0: had said through Moshe. Barukata
1: Yahweh Eloheinu melech Haolam, asher natan lanu Torah tamed, olam Betu kenu. Amen. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. It is in accord with the Lord's command by the hands of Moses. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of
2: old. It's a he, a kimba. They to me, ha, me, shah. ha, they he no one. They ha, Shalom. alone. Ashie,
1: Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen faithful prophets to speak words of truth. Amen. And tonight's Haftorah portion is going to be Isaiah chapter 34, verse 11 through chapter 35, verse 4. And once again, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 11. So that the pelican and the porcupine possess it, also the owl and the raven dwell in it, and he shall stretch out over it the line of formlessness and stones of emptiness. Its caves with no one in them is called a rain, but all its rulers have vanished. And thorns shall come up in its palaces, nettles and brambles in its strongholds. And it shall be a home for jackals, a courtyard for ostriches, and the wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the jackals and the shaggy goat call to its companion. The night creature shall also settle there and shall find for herself a place of rest. The arrow snake shall nest there and lay eggs and hatch and gather them under her shadow. There too the vultures shall gather each with its mate. Search from the book of Yahweh and read. Not one of these shall be missing. Not one shall be without a mate. For he has commanded my mouth, and his spirit shall gather them. And he shall cast the lot for them, and his hand shall divide it among them with a measuring line. They possess it forever, from generation to generation they dwell in it. Let the wilderness and the dry place be glad for them, and let the desert rejoice and blossom as the rose. It blossoms much and rejoices, even with joy and singing. The esteem of Lebanon shall be given to it the excellence of Carmel and Sharon, They shall see the esteem of Yahweh, the excellency of our Elohim. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the weak knees. Say to those with anxious heart, be strong, do not fear. See, your Elohim comes with vengeance, with a recompense of Elohim.
0: He is coming to save you. Blessed
1: are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the living word in Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen.
0: And tonight's Brit is
1: portion will be Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. And one last time, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home.
0: Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14.
1: Pursue peace with all, and pursue apartness without which no one shall see the master. See to it that no one falls short of the favor of Elohim, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, by which many become defiled. Lest there be any one who whores or profane one, like Esau, who for a single meal sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wished to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he
0: sought it with tears.
1: Barucha Ta Yahweh, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Notan Lanu Hadavar Haimet, Bechaye Olam Betu Kenu, Ta Yahweh, Notain HaBrit Hadasha blessed are you o lord our god king of the universe who gave to us the word of truth and planted life everlasting in our midst blessed are you o lord giver of the renewed covenant amen so in just a moment we'll be getting to tonight's drush, but like always we're going to take just a short break to check on our live streams and if you've never seen an episode like this before or your first time coming here, we are multi-streaming to YouTube, Odyssey, and Twitch. So if one's not working for you or if you prefer one over the other, then you have your choice of those three. And of course the best place to watch the God Honest Truth live stream <clears throat> is simply by going to our website GodHonestTruth.com and then clicking on the live stream button. There you be directed directly to our live stream. You don't have to go searching through different platforms, going through all the ads and stuff like that. makes it a lot more simpler. Just go to godhonesttruth.com and click on live stream. Now, before we get into tonight's drosh, also, go down below, make sure to leave us a comment. What is it that you get the most out of Sukkot if you've done it before? Have you ever celebrated Sukkot before? What is your favorite part? What do you get out of it the most every year? If you haven't ever celebrated Sukkot before, what questions might you have regarding the Moedim or Moed of Sukkot? Let us know down below. While you're down there, also hit that like button and hit the subscribe button as well as ring the bell. That way you're notified every time that we go live or upload an on-demand video. In addition, make sure to hit that share button and share it around with your friends, family, or coworkers, or whoever it is that you might think would enjoy this type of content. Bring up tonight's
0: drosh. And like I said, tonight's nice. is going be all about Sukkot.
1: Definitely some exciting stuff. Me and my children really love Sukkot, but we like camping out anyway. So I'm like, managed to do something we already enjoy, which is awesome. But Sukkot, what is it? Well, first of all, let's lay a foundation. Let's go over some terminology real quick so you have a better understanding as we go through and talk about this uh, moed of Sukkot. Now, the first thing we're gonna talk about is, well, actually just the name. It's called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. We'll get into some more names here in just a minute, but most often it's called Sukkot. It's the last of the scriptural feast days, or Moed, of the year mentioned in the Tanakh. Now, there's other, other holidays also, like Hanukkah, too, that comes later in the year after Sukkot, But Hanukkah isn't established in the Tanakh. That came in the intertestamental times.
3: Sukkot lasts for eight days.
1: In scripture it's described as being seven days. Eight days, well actually seven days. No, it's actually eight days. We'll get into that in just a moment. But just know that Sukkot is a Moed that lasts for eight days. This year it begins, like we said earlier, on sunset October 9th, and ends on September 16th
3: at sunset. In addition, the singular
1: word here is going to be sukkah, right? That's the singular word in Hebrew, and that simply means a temporary hut or dwelling. Now, people will go through during sukkot building all kinds of different sukkah, and we'll be looking at that in just a minute. But the festival is called Sukkot, but what you actually live in is referred to as a sukkah.
3: Excuse me. And like we
1: referenced, Sukkot is the plural of sukkah. So sukkah means tent, sukkot means tents. Sukkot is also the name of the Moed, the feast day. And it's also the name of a place, which we'll get into in just a moment as well. During Sukkot, there are various things you do, various things you have, and one of the things that you have is something called a lulav. We're we'll going to be describing that in just a minute, but it's three different types of branches or leafy things, right, all bound together. We're going to describe that more in detail in just a moment, but you find the description or the commandment to wave the lulav in Leviticus 2340. We're going to be reading some more in scripture later on as well, obviously. Also, in addition to the lulav, you have something called an etrog. Now, this is an awesome thing. I mean, when I first heard about an etrog and saw an etrog, it was amazing. It looks like it's a giant lemon. I mean, it's yellow and it's shaped sort of like a lemon, and it's huge, an overgrown lemon. It smells really, really good, but it's a part of sukkot. one of the things you have that's mentioned in Scripture, and it's called an etrog. We'll show you a picture of that and describe it more in detail in just a moment. Now, for those of you who are like me out there and you're nerdy, here's where we get a little bit into the weeds. Sukha, the singular, which remember is just a temporary place or, yeah, temporary dwelling place or booth, something like a tent, like that, right? Comes from Strong's H5521. Now, that can mean. Anything from a temporary dwelling that people stay in to something that animals stay in. You know, it's just a temporary
0: dwelling, right? Or a tent. There we go. Now, the plural form sukkot
1: is Strong's H5523. And most of the time, Strong's doesn't include conjugations of words like Showing the plural form of words, it just shows the base, which is in this case would be Sukkot. But with Sukkot, like we said, Sukkot is also the name of the feast day, and it's the name of a place. So Strong's included it here. Like I said, Sukkot is the name of the feast day. That's what we're talking about tonight. Ugh, tonight, name's Houghton.
3: Now, some more. Festival Sukkot is also known by other names, as we alluded to previously.
1: In English, Sukkot is also known or referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles, as the temporary dwellings are sometimes called tabernacle. Pre-dwell. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering. gathering Rarely hear that used myself, anyways, but you do find it in Scripture in Exodus 34:22 sometimes called the festival shelters again another rare okay, uh, instance and also called the festival of booths now in Hebrew different names for that would be hag hasukot found in Leviticus 23:34 and hag HaAsif, which is Exodus 34:22 as far as the type of sukkah that you stay in or perhaps build If you have kids, it's a lot of fun for them to build stuff, especially if you have boys. But you can build your own sukkah, and a lot of people actually encourage you to build your own sukkah instead of buying one or living in a tent. Now here is one type of sukkah that somebody somewhere built. They just got some wood, put it together, three sides, and a lot of times the roof is left open so they can see the stars in the night sky, but that's not necessarily required. Now, a lot of people actually decorate their sukkah as well with these branches of leafy trees, right? And you can see here, it's decorated it with certain things relative to relevant to Suko. Now here's a little bit more fancy sukkah, but still acceptable. You got the walls and you got the place to stay in, and here they've actually got a table set up. They get really fancy? Well, here you go. You can actually buy suka kits, have them shipped to your house, and then you just put it together on Sukkot.
0: But suka kits, or the sukas
3: you build, can go from anywhere from basic to fancy with electricity even. You just use basically
1: whatever you've got if you don't have the materials for some kind of fancy sukkah, you just build a sukkah from what you have laying on hand or what's around you, right? Go out in the woods if you're so inclined or have the ability to. As a couple years ago, we actually went and cut down a lot of bamboo and built sukas out of bamboo, which is again a lot of fun for the children. Now in Israel Especially in the more crowded areas, they don't have yards and stuff to go out and build a sukkah, stuff like that. So they build it wherever they can. Sometimes even on their balconies of where they live. But it's still a sukkah. It's still going according to scripture.
3: Now, let's talk about the different things
1: that come along or that are used within sukkah. Remember, we talked about the Etrog a while ago. This is a yellow citron, or citrus medica, used by the Hebrew people during the week-long holiday of Sukkot, right? One of the four species that's mentioned in Scripture. And the Bible describes what is usually rendered as the fruit of a goodly tree. This is traditionally interpreted to be an etrog. But Scripture doesn't specifically say etrog. Make that point real quick, too. But where does that say in Scripture? Leviticus 23, 14. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of good trees, branches of palm trees, twigs of leafy trees, and willows of the stream, and shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim for seven days. And this is what an etrog looks like, Where the uh, cross-section of one looks like anyways. See down below some other fruits that we're normally used to, but the big one there, that's the etrog. And here's a gentleman holding, in his left hand, you'll see the Lulav, which we'll get into next. But in his right hand, you see the Etrog and how big these things get sometimes. And if you could only be there and be able to smell it, they smell oh so good. And you can also buy Lulav and Etrogs off of the internet, have them shipped here before Sukkot. So go check that out, check out Amazon, whatever store you, Get your religious stuff from. Might have it as well, but you can actually get them online and have them shipped to you. Sometimes directly from Is, oh excuse me, directly from Israel. Now the lulav. This is what we called or spoke of earlier, being some of the leafy parts of the trees that are included in this. But a lulav is a closed frond of the date palm tree. It is one of the four species used during the Hebraic holiday of Sukkot. The other species are the hadas, arava, and Etrob. When bound together, to the lulav, hadas, and arava are commonly referred to as the lulav. So, not only is lulav one single part of the whole bundle, but the whole bundle is called the lulav as well. Let's look at Leviticus 23:40 one more time. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of good trees, branches of palm trees wigs of leafy trees, and willows of the stream. And shall rejoice before Yahweh, your Elohim, for seven days. And here's another picture of a lulav. This is what I'm generally used to seeing during Sukkot. Is you have the three leafy species there in the actual bundle itself, and you've got the etrog on the side. But this is what a lulav looks like. get into lots and lots of scripture, like we always do, like we love to do. What is the first mission of Sukkot in scripture? You're thinking, well, maybe it's when they came out of Egypt, or maybe it's after they got into the land, stuff like that. But no, it's way before they were even in Egypt. Take a look at that. Genesis 33, verse 3 and verse 17. And Jacob himself passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times, and he came near to his brother. And Jacob set out to Sukkot and built himself a house and made booze for his livestock. That is why the name of the place is called Sukkot. One of the places that Jacob stayed or stopped at, he built temporary dwellings for his livestock, and assuming also people that were with him and himself, and that's why that place is called Sukkot, because there he built Sukkot. Make sense? Let's look at Exodus 12:37. This is before they are wandering in the wilderness, before they get to Sinai, and before they get to the Promised Land. Here it says, And the children of Israel set out from Ramses to Sukkot about 600,000 men on foot besides the little ones. When they left Egypt, they stopped by the place named Sukkot. Here's a picture, for those of you who are watching the video, of the people leaving Egypt and the mixed multitudes and lots and lots of people going out of Egypt. For those of you who would like to know where this place of Sukkot is, found two different places. Couldn't really find a consensus on this, so take it for what it is, but... Here's the first picture, and you can see it goes down there where Sukkot is, the white arrow pointing to it. That's their trip out of Egypt from Ramses, and they stopped at Sukkot. And here's the other location that I found for Sukkot. You can look there on the green arrow. Again, after they left Ramses, come out of Egypt, then they stopped at Sukkot. So let's look at where in scripture Sukkot is actually commanded and described. You find that in Leviticus 23, 33 through 43, and Deuteronomy 16, 13 through 15. Take a look at those verses real quick. And Yahweh said to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month is the festival of Sukkot for seven days to Yahweh. On the first day is a set-apart gathering. You do no servile work. For seven days you bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. On the eighth day there shall be a set-apart gathering for you, and you shall bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. It is a closing festival. You do no servile work. These are the appointed times of Yahweh, which you proclaim as set-apart gatherings to bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh, an ascending offering and a grain offering, slaughtering and drink offerings as commanded for every day. Besides the Sabbath of Yahweh, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vows, and besides all your voluntary offerings which you give to Yahweh. On the fifteenth day of the seventh new moon, when you gather in the fruit of the land, celebrate the festival of Yahweh for seven days. On the first day is a rest, and on the eighth day a rest, and you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of good trees, branches of palm trees, twigs of leafy trees, and willows of the stream and shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim for seven days. And you shall celebrate it as a festival to Yahweh for seven days in the year, a law forever in your generations. Celebrate it in the seventh new moon. Dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native-born in Israel dwell in booths, so that your generations know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Mitzrayim. I am Yahweh
0: your Elohim. What are some things we can learn from this first instance that we've
1: read here? First of all, we're told we are commanded to do this as a remembrance all throughout our generations, right? A law forever. Now it's called, or it says to dwell in booths for seven days, but also mentioned eight days, right? Go back and look at that. But here on the first slide, it says it happens on the 15th day of the seventh new moon And the first day, you do no servile work. And then for seven days, you bring the offerings described here. Then it says, on the eighth day. So yeah, there is an eighth day there, even though it says that it's for seven days, right? So it's an eight-day festival or feast. Make sure it's going to be a Shabbaton on the first day. And then on the last day, the eighth day is also a Shabbaton or a minor Sabbath, not the weekly Sabbath. Even though it could fall on the weekly Sabbath, it's not described in Scripture as the, the weekly Sabbath. But on the eighth day should be a set apart gathering and again bring offerings back when the tabernacle and the temple were standing, right? But let's get this point it lasts for eight days. First day is a Shabbaton, a day of no work. Last day, the 8th day, is also a Shabbaton. And the 8th day is also called the Great Day. Remember that. 8th day is called the Great Day. That's going to be important in just a moment when we get into some
3: other scriptures. So that's the
1: first instance, and it happens on the 15th of the 7th month. No work on the 1st day, no work on the 8th day. Dwell in booths, temporary dwelling places, sukkah, for 8 days. And it's the law. Forever. Now let's look at Deuteronomy sixteen thirteen through fifteen. Perform the festival of Sukkot for seven days after the ingathering from your threshing floor and from your winepress, and you shall rejoice in your festival. You and your son and your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates. For seven days you shall celebrate to Yahweh your Elohim. In the place which Yahweh chooses, because Yahweh your Elohim does bless you in all your increase and in all the work of your hands, and you shall be only rejoicing.
0: So, in addition to
1: the lulav and the etrog and the no work on first day and eighth day, we are also commanded to be rejoicing, to be glad and, glad and happy. Right. This is a festival of rejoicing. Even commanded right here. here. Now, Sukkot is also one of the three feasts where the men of Israel are commanded to go to the temple, right? and Present themselves before Yahweh. Look at that real quick. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17. Three times a year, all your males appear before Yahweh your Elohim in the place which he chooses at the festival of Matzot, and at the festival of Shavuot, and at the festival of Sukkot. And none should appear before Yahweh empty-handed, but each one with a gift of his hand, according to the blessing of Yahweh your Elohim, which he has given you. Now so just remember that three times a year on three of the feast days, the men of Israel were supposed to go present themselves before Yahweh at the temple. That's going to be at Sukkot, at Matzot or Passover and the festival of Shavuot. Now, that's also important the festival of Shavuot and presenting yourselves before the Lord. That is a very important point to remember when reading in the book of Acts. And you remember where the Holy Spirit came down, they were speaking in tongues. Remember the people presenting themselves at Shavuot when you read that next
0: time. Now, Did you know that Solomon
1: actually kept Sukkot? 2 Chronicles 7, 8-10 And Shalomo at that time observed the festival seven days, and all Yisrael with him, a very great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the wadi of Mitzrayim. And on the eighth day they held an assembly, for they performed the dedication of the slaughter place seven days, and the festival seven days. And on the twenty-third day of the seventh new moon, He sent the people away to their tents, rejoicing and glad of heart for the goodness that Yahweh had done for Dawid and for Shlomo and for his people Yisrael. So again, festival of rejoicing and gladness, thankfulness and gratitude to Yahweh, everything that he has given us. That's what
3: this
0: is going to be about, part of it. Definitely, there's more to come. Stay tuned. Now, as
1: always, how does Sukkot connect with Yeshua? This is kind of stuff I always find interesting and love to find out. So let me show you exactly how that all connects. John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his esteem esteem as of an only brought forth of a father, complete in favor and truth. Our Messiah himself came down
3: and succored with us, right?
1: John seven thirty seven 37-38. And on the last day, the great day of the festival, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me, and let him who believes in me drink. As the scripture said, Out of his innermost shall flow rivers of living water.
0: So here we see Yeshua
1: actually keeping the festival of Sukkot. Remember what that last day, the eighth day is called? called the great day. And here it says on that last day, the great day, Yeshua was there celebrating Sukkot. Now what about Sukkot and the future? Because these Moedim most always tell us about things or remembrances of things that happened in the past, but they're also pointing toward the future as well, shadows of things to come, right? So what about the future? How does Sukkot relate with that? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.1 states, We know that if the tent of our earthly house is destroyed, we have a building from Elohim, a house not made with hands, everlasting in the heavens. Now, you can take this one of two ways. Number one, let talk about this tent of our earthly house, referring to our bodies, right? our bodies are destroyed, get sick, there's ailments, dies. But we have a building from Elohim, our new resurrected body that we're going to be given eventually in the future, right? That's one way of taking it. A second way of taking it is also our actual houses themselves. We know they're temporary. They're going to fall and be destroyed at some time. They're only temporary. But if our earthly houses, actual houses, are destroyed, we know that we have a building from Elohim, because Yeshua said he's going to go build a place for us. And in his father's house, there are many rooms, right? We know that the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven at some point. And that's where we're going to dwell. We have that building that's made from Elohim. So two different ways to take this, but my opinion, both definitely accurate. But it's also something important to kind of realize, too, because, for to keep in mind, Tukor reminds us that our time here on earth is limited. We know that we're going to die sometime. We all have sinned, fallen short of the esteem of Elohim. But, praise Yahweh, we have salvation through Yeshua. And when we're saved, and we'll have eternal life when He comes back.
3: But these bodies, they're only temporary.
1: They're temporary dwelling places for our soul. They're like the sukkah that we live in every sukkot. They're temporary, not permanent, not eternal. But we have that building from Elohim, not made with hands, everlasting in the heavens, that we'll be able to partake of in the future. That's something that sukkot reminds us of. Matthew 24, 15 through 16, and verse 20. So when you see the abomination that lays waste, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, set up in the set-apart place, he who reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Yehuda flee to the mountains and pray that your flight does not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. So here, Yeshua is telling us, you know, there's going to be hard times in the end times, right? And there's gonna be, some people's gonna have to flee to the mountains. And they're gonna have to live in temporary dwellings, sukkah, when they flee. But, you know, those of us who celebrate Sukkot and keep Sukkot, we've had that experience before. It's gonna be nothing new for us. So definitely gonna be helpful as
0: preparation for the future too. Zechariah 14,
1: 16. And it shall be that all who are left from the, from all the nations which came up against Yerushalayim shall go up from year to year to bow themselves to the sovereign Yahweh of hosts and to celebrate the festival of Sukkot. That's is talking about the end times after you know everything's happened. It says that everyone, all the nations, will go up to the mountain of Yahweh,
3: go up to Yerushalayim and keep... Sukkot so no the festivals of Yahweh like
1: Sukkot are not done away with Yeshua didn't do away with all that they're still in force and in effect and they're going to be celebrated after the end times everyone will go up to Yerushalayim and celebrate
3: Sukkot Revelation 21 1-4 through remember that heavenly body we spoke about previously
1: check this out revelation 21 1 through 4 and i saw a renewed heaven and a renewed earth for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea is no more and i yohanan saw the set apart city renewed yerushalayim coming down out of the heaven from elohim prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the heaven saying, See, the booth of Elohim is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and Elohim himself shall be with them and be their Elohim. And Elohim shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former matters have passed away. So that new building we discussed earlier, that the apostle told us about, Right? This here in Revelation is actually describing that physical building, that physical new Yerushalayim coming down out of the heavens. Amazing stuff, right? Very amazing stuff. And it's calling it even the booth of Elohim. The sukkah, the tabernacle, right?
3: That's the new building that they were describing before.
0: Now, here's something interesting to kind of think about real quick, too. Notice back in Luke 1, 5. You remember reading that.
1: Let's review real quick. There was in the days of Herod, the sovereign of Judah, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elisheba. What does this have to do with anything? Ah, it's coming up, right? This is telling about the father of someone important in scripture. Most of you probably already know who it is, but it's also telling certain time as well.
3: Okay? Now, think about it. Who is it that we set an extra place for at Pesach? Remember? was
1: well, it's actually Elijah, who came in the spirit of Elijah, it was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Luke 1, 17 And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Eliyahu turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the insight of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for Yahweh. Now that priest we just talked about, he was the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Now Shortly after Zechariah's tour service that we just read about in John 1-5, right? John the Baptist was conceived by Zechariah's wife, Elisheba, or Elizabeth. you want to translate that. Now, given a full-term pregnancy, this would have placed John the Baptist being born somewhere around Passover. Right? John the Baptist, most likely born sometime around Passover. John the Baptist, coming in the spirit of Elijah we set an extra place at Passover for Elijah. Interesting stuff to think about there, right?
0: But it gets even better. Check this out. Yeshua, as Scripture tells us,
3: was conceived six months after John the Baptist.
1: Right? So it follows that Yeshua was born six months after Passover, which would have been somewhere around John the Baptist's birth, and six months after Passover would bring us right up to Sukkot. Remember, Sukkot happens in the seventh month on the 15th day. Passover happens in the first month on the 14th day.
3: Right, six months later. So oh, that would place Yeshua's birth around the time of Sukkot. Interesting, right? Now, if all this holds up, that would also place yeshuas
1: i uh, see how do we say this—conception. Hate me, I don't know. But it would place Yeshua's conception somewhere around Hanukkah, which is known as the Festival of Lights. Now, Yeshua himself is actually called the light of the world in John 8, 12, 9, 5, 12, 46, etc. Hanukkah, the festival of lights, Yeshua, the light of the world. Quite possible and neat to think about Yeshua being conceived during the festival of lights or Hanukkah. John 1, 14. This is going to get interesting as well. We've already read this, but check it out again. And the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his esteem, esteem as an, an only brought forth of a father, complete in favor and truth. Now, the festival of Sukkot is called the festival of booze, or tents, or tabernacles, right? And here, especially in some translations, it says that he actually came and pitched his tent among us. And again, if he was born on Sukkot, This is all perfectly lined up. Another way of translating it. The literal, or something, more literal translation, right? And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Interesting way to put it. Young's literal translation. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and did tabernacle among us. Feast of tabernacles, sukkot have tabernacled with us? I don't need to think about. Now, the Greek word here is Skenu, right? It pretty much means the same thing that sukkah means in the Hebrew. It means a tabernacle or temporary dwelling, stuff like that. Now, remember back when we first started on the scripture part of tonight's Drosh, we spoke about Jacob, and when he left his brother, he stopped at a place, and he built sukkah, or Booth for his livestock and his people. Now when Yeshua was born, his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, couldn't find any place at the inn, so they went to a place where they kept animals, right? In a manger. Quite possibly a sukkah. Because if this actually did happen around Sukkot, it would have been one of the times that all the men would go to Jerusalem during the festival of Sukkot. So it would makes sense as to why all the inns were full because all these people would come to Rishalayim and also why there would be Sukkot there and also places for the animals, temporary places as well. Again, something interesting
0: to think about. But continuing on with the dating, or Placing a date. You know, let's put it that way.
1: Yeshua was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, right? <clears throat> interesting thing about being 30 and starting ministries. Go back and we looked at Joseph and he was about 30 when he came into the service of Pharaoh. Very interesting stuff. But Yeshua was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. Now, most scholars have come to consensus that Yeshua had a ministry that lasted somewhere about Three and a half and a half years. At the end of his ministry, when he was crucified, when he was killed for our sins, that happened on Passover, which means that six months before Passover would have been Sukkot and Yeshua would have had a birthday if he celebrated his birthdays. Right?
0: Again, interesting to think about.
1: Let's go ahead and continue on placing this date, because this might step on some toes, but we need to know this and we need to put this out there. During the winter, shepherds would not have had their herds out there, because winter is different in all parts of the earth, right? But winter in Israel gets cold and it gets rainy. And they shepherds wouldn't have kept their flocks out in the field when it's cold and rainy. However, the birth date of Yeshua being around the time of Sukkot would have fit perfectly, right? And it would have been suitable weather for herdsmen and shepherds to have their animals out in the field. And we're told from Scripture that shepherds did have their herds out in the field when they saw the angels, right? Now, the average temperature ranging in October ranges from about 57 to 79. You know, not really hot, but comfortable they could keep your livestock out in the
3: field. The average temperatures for December would
1: range anywhere from 43 degrees to 59 degrees. A bit chilly and on the cool side, right? No matter where you are. But definitely not temperatures you want to have livestock outside with, right? So December, definitely not fitting. Now, December, that part of the year is also part of the rainy season for Israel as well. Remember, ah, remember earlier we mentioned that December would have been cold and rainy in Israel and would make absolutely no sense for shepherds to have their livestocks out in the open and not under shelter. So December time frame for Yeshua's birth, completely bogus. Nothing really fits with that, and everyone accepts that Yeshua was not born on September
0: 25th. Done, settled, no way to debate it, right? However, if we look at the evidence
1: we looked at tonight, and again, it's just something interesting to think about, it would fit more in line during the time of Sukkot, but not December. So, how do we celebrate Sukkot? What are the, some of the associated customs that go along with that? Well, first and foremost, you want to build a booth or a Sukkah or something temporary, or even get a tent. And dwell in that for seven days, as much as possible, right? On the first day, and on the eighth day, the great day, is a Shabbaton, a Sabbath. You do no servile work on those days. The sukkah are traditionally, like we said before, decorated with the four species, the etrog, the myrtle, the willow, the lulav, things described in scripture. But it can also be decorated with other stuff too.
3: Excuse me. Now,
1: Jews will read from the Torah or scriptures just about every single day. Okay? That's a good thing. We should be in scriptures every day anyways. Right? But... Traditionally, Jews read from the Torah every day On during the festivals. Candles are traditionally lit on the first two days at sunset. And this is another thing that's traditionally done by Jews. Not something that's described in Scripture, so it's not something we're required to do, but you can do that if you light candles. I like candles. I like candles, not light candles, like candles. If you do also... Hey, feel free to light candles, right? Now, meals during Sukkot are traditionally eaten eaten within the sukkah itself, part of the experience. You're living in the sukkah, might as well eat in the sukkah as well. So, during Sukkot, traditionally, meals are eating eaten inside the sukkah itself. Now, if you don't have Anywhere to celebrate Sukkot. You can actually go and connect with other people around the world who do and are willing to share some of their space. You go to the Open Suka Project. It's like a Airbnb for sukkahs, And you can find places all around the world. And you can even open up your space if you have extra space for other people to come and pitch their tents or build sukkahs, stuff like that. So it's almost like a social networking for Sukkot, right? If you don't have a place, go find a place or if you have extra space, you can let other people come share your space. Very interesting idea.
0: So we would like to thank you
3: for
1: joining us tonight. If you learned something great, let us know down in the comments below. We'd love to know what it is you've learned. If we happen to miss anything, Also, make sure to let us know down below because we all want to learn together. And while you're down there commenting, make sure to also hit that like button, hit the share button, I'm sorry, the subscribe button, along with the bell icon, and hit that share button, share it around with people. In just a moment, we're gonna be doing the Aaronic Benediction or the Priestly Blessing. So if you have anyone there with you at home that you would like to have next to you, go ahead and start gathering them together. And if you've celebrated Sukkot before, let us know down in the comments also, what is the best thing about Sukkot? What is your favorite thing? Because personally, me and my children, we just love camping out. I mean, fire gets kind of cold in this part of the world during Sukkot sometimes, but that's okay too. All part of the experience.
0: Our streams are still doing good. It's awesome. So now that all that's done and said, let's go ahead and get to our Aaronic benediction. Give
2: arikakai Yahweh. Bayishmarecha Yay Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Yasa Yahweh Panavelecha Vayasimlecha Shalom
1: May Yahweh bless you and guard you May Yahweh make his face shed light upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his face unto
3: you, give you peace.
1: We hope that tonight's grosh and service has been of benefit to you. We hope that tomorrow's Shabbat is a great and restful Shabbat for you. We hope that the next upcoming week is filled with good food, good fortunes, good family, good friends, good health, good spirits. And until we meet again next week, Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we hope you have a good week. A restful Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Ravu Tov. Take care.
2: Kindness of Yahweh. Forever, forever I sing with my mouth. I want it.